This is episode 25 of Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get to this week's conversation, I want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. As you begin to think about your orders for this upcoming season, they have some incredible deals on team gear as well as uniforms. There are a couple packages that they're putting together right now. There's one for just $150 that comes with a shooting shirt, a jersey, shorts, and a team backpack. You go up from there and you can add pieces to that order. So I would definitely check them out. You can visit them at 323sports.com or you can click the link below if you're watching here on YouTube or on Twitter. We're going to talk this morning about some of the things that he and I both, probably he more so than me, but as we have worked with coaches, talked with coaches, been coaches ourselves, some of the things that have come up regularly in conversations. I want to stick to about five of these. Some of them are bigger ideas. Some of them are subtopics probably within those ideas. So we'll try not to make them extremely long. Without any further ado, Randy, let me go ahead and just kind of start off with the first one here. Big picture here, but kind of the reality of trade-offs is where we want to start. Kind of talk about how that has applied to basketball coaches in general and maybe some specific examples of that that you've seen in your conversations with coaches. Yeah, first things, let me just say this, like the you know, this topic idea for just sort of like these five lessons that that we've learned from counseling, speaking with, and um being, you know, working alongside coaches. I sure hope that none of them come across as like, I know the answer I've got, all you know, and, and you don't or something like that. Like these are all things that I encountered when I coached and problems that I still struggle with, you know, in, in my current role. And that being said, I don't, I don't want anything to come across like, man, these coaches really need to work on this or I'm preachy or anything like that. It's just, it's just observations from topics that keep coming up when I've, uh, and I've now that I have this bank of thousands of hours of speaking one-on-one and in group settings with, with coaches about their, their day-to-day life and, and the job. So I, I really hope at least it comes off sounding not like, you know, preachy or, 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 or condescending or anything. So yeah, the reality of trade-offs is one thing, you know, when I started speaking with coaches long ago that I noticed like maybe just a way of thinking that that coaches sort of don't that that they could improve upon or and myself included like for like the idea that to get you have to give and 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 that everything sort of comes at a cost. So I would speak with a coach and they would talk, you know, maybe have an interest in amping up the pressure of, of their man-to-man defense or something like that, since I wrote a lot about that. And this is just one tiny example, but the reality of trade-offs might be, you know, okay, well, I, I get to t- teach them about man-to-man, pressure-style man-to-man, and, and, it, and it features a lot of denial and a higher pickup point. And, and then they're immediately, they're, you know, well, I don't, I don't want guys, I don't want our opponents like putting it on the floor and driving it. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you want more pressure, you it comes at the direct trade-off of containment. And if you want more containment, it comes off at the direct, you know, expensive pressure. So everything about the coaching profession and teaching the game of basketball, you know, you've got to consider not only what you want, but what it costs you. That could be practice time. It could be something like containment or pressure in in, in a man-to-man defense. It, it could be those practice minutes of like, you know, sometimes I'll get asked by a coach like, Hey, do you think we have, we, we can run this offense? And I, my answer is you can, you can run anything you want. Just be willing to, to, to look at, at the time it takes and the time you need to devote to that and, and where that time would come from. And are you okay with that? 
just maybe that way of thinking just wasn't um, something I was seeing in the coaches I work with that I try to get them to see the profession through that lens and the game. I think about the question, what are you okay with giving up or what are you going yeah. to live with? And that can almost sometimes though sound like, you know, well, we just can't do anything about it. So we're just going to kind of live with it. And that's not what I mean. We've talked to this point on this show about what, what matters to winning. I don't necessarily always know that somebody from the outside can tell your team, you know, there are, we've talked extensively mm -hmm. on this show about like the four factors. I mean, you can't dispute with those. So there are, there are things within the game that obviously if you don't do them well, then your team's probably going to lose. Your team's probably going to struggle. But if it's getting into like micro skills of the game or whatever, we all have just a certain amount of time that we can work with. What are you going to do in that time for your team with your program? What do you consider the most essential things? What are you willing to, to live with? And I've found that that only comes by you taking the time to sit down as a staff and talk through those things for you to have an analytical eye into what are the numbers saying, what actually is happening in our games, not what we think is happening, back to our biases conversation, mm -hmm. but like what is actually happening. And then based off of those deciding, okay, what, what then are we going to spend the most of our time doing? Yeah. And just sort of like prioritizing maybe another way of, of dealing with the reality of trade-offs. Like this is what we want most. This is what we're going to devote most of the time of. I'm aware. I've, I've been made aware that this might, you know, have this, uh, this is the downside or the, 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 if you make a pro and con list, these are the cons of this decision or this strategy. I'm, I'm aware of them. I know them and I accept them. That's, that's where I've tried to get with coaches. Okay, so the first one there, the reality of trade-offs, there are going to be trade-offs. What are you willing to live with and what are you deciding is going to be most important for your team? So that's the first one there. All right, second one here. This one's a good one. We we all have probably uh, at least felt this in our hearts. Maybe we haven't verbally communicated it to other people, mm -hmm. but uh, we have felt that our problems must just be our problems. But in fact, your problems are not unique to you and your team. Absolutely. I, th I think... You know, I would speak to a coach and, you know, maybe it was my first conversation in a one-on-one -on -one type setting with them. And I, I typically just kind of want to get to know their coaching situation. That helps me help them. So but what, I, what I kept hearing over and over again is maybe a coach who's, you know, not quite satisfied with the results their team's been getting. And they start in like this, like, well, well let me tell you about where I coach or this this school or this community or this town. And and we face this unique challenge of we've got kids who blah, 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 you know, like, well, I started paying attention to those conversations. And and what I noticed is I was hearing the same the same laundry list of problems from guys that, you know, coaches that coach girls teams, coaches that coach boys teams, coaches that coach in the city, coaches that coach in the rural area, coaches that coach in college, coaches that coach in high school, youth coaches. You know, you don't know it, but I just got off a call with a coach on the other side of the country coaching a different sport than you. Maybe they coach girls, you coach boys. But when they said, hey, let me tell you about some of the problems I'm facing, they were the same thing. They were the same problem. So I think we like our problems sometimes and like to think they're unique. And like they, they you know, my challenge has always been when I, when I have this conversation with the coaches, your problems are not unique to your team. Chances are the schools that you compete against in similar classification size than you face the same issues. One thing that I really like to, to point out that, that I think hits home or hopefully hits home is somewhere on the planet on this, in this country or in your league or in your conference or state or whatever, 
there's a coach who faces as many or more serious problems as you do, who's getting better results than you are. They just decided not to care anymore. They just decided, well, this is, this is the reality. I'm going to either fix that reality or overcome that reality. So I have found that there are a lot of coaches who sort of get stuck in this like, oh, poor me, pitiful us mindset of we have these problems. I can't do anything about them. And your opponents are quite happy that you've adopted that mindset. If you have good friends, they're going to tell you what they did about it and yeah. how they can improve. And I think that's where us as a coaching community can really help each other um, because we are facing the same struggles, just at different levels sometimes. Um, but, you know, what have, what have we done to improve upon those things and, and how can we help each other improve upon those things? So yeah. um, that's at least been the, the solution for me with this. I, I think, too, it also helps you it kind of motivates you and re-energizes you when you do find out that others are struggling with the same thing. You know, there, there can be hope, <laughs> hope for all of this. Um, but you're yeah. never going to find that out unless you have the conversations with other people. And sometimes you just need a little perspective. Like, you know, I've talked to coaches who have a good job, a good salary, lots of participation in their program, great facilities who still sort of like, no, man, we just can't, mm. you know, and I'm like, man, like there's a coach in a ratty gym with a no support in the community who's getting W's and he just decided or she just decided that we don't care and we're going to overcome it. So getting some perspective sometimes uh, um, helps, you know, maybe you need maybe refocused on, on how good you may have it. So for those of you who you are ready to push forward, the next one here is, fixing potholes. And we want to do the opposite of that, but let me go ahead and just have you explain kind of that phrase there, Randy. Yeah. First, and a shout out to one of uh, the coaches I work with, Jamie Smith, for this this phrase. This uh, uh, Jamie's a girls coach in Iowa, a good friend of mine and, and uh, a longtime member of the, of the group of coaches I work with. And I, I would give him credit for this phrase. I really liked it as an analogy, which really stuck with me Basically, as coaches, the, I paid attention to the types of questions I was getting through emails, through chats and, and DMs and things like that. And like most of them were what I would describe as a coach looking for me to show them how to fix a pothole, a problem that they're facing that's immediate in their face, very glaring right there in the middle of the road. Well, the answer is, uh, in their mind, is, you know, dump some gravel and tar in it, smooth it over, and let's go on down the road and fix the next pothole. And I found so many coaches coach this way, of this constant churn of, pot, of pot, pothole fixing. But until we fix the, the water drainage problem that's causing cracks in the cement or, or devise a better way to build a road, we're just, they're just going to keep popping up. And I guess another way I would say would be stop fixing problems and start fixing the problem that causes the problem. One is easy. Okay, fix, you know, do this or run this drill or, you know, if you're having problems rebounding, you know, blah, 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 fix this. You do this thing, this drill. Okay, bam, next. What's next? Okay. Instead of fixing the problem that causes the problem, one is much harder. It's tackling a bigger issue. If you think about like, this is beyond basketball. This is like, this is how we treat illness and sickness in this country. Like, oh, you got a pain here, take a pill. Instead of like getting to the root cause of that pain or something like that. Like 
It, one, easy. Here, fix, take a pill, fix the pain. Two, hard. What is actually causing the pain and what habits do we need to change or repair to make sure that this goes away, not just is masked? We're 25 episodes into this. And so this is where I'm encouraging those to go back maybe in the off season while you have time and listen to some of our previous episodes, because this is a topic that we've addressed before. And I just think about, you know, from an offensive perspective, uh, I think we addressed it actually on, on several occasions, one in our bias series where the results aren't working for my offense. I'm going to run a new offense. You're never going to fix the problem because it's not your offense is the problem. It's your maybe your player skills. Your, your players just don't have the skills. And if you never address those, it doesn't matter what offense you run. It's never going to fix itself. It could be yeah. offense, could be defense, could be any number of things. But, you know, what is the actual root problem? And how do we address the root problem? Yeah, I think if you want to have a long-term, successful, sustainable basketball program that produces consistently good results, most of your efforts should be devoted to fixing the problems that cause problems. All right. So that's the third one here. Let's go on to the fourth one. This fourth one, I like this. So something that I thought about, have, have been thinking about over the last couple of years, really addressed it this last year and hoping this year to improve it even more in our program. And that is the connection between the different game phases. Uh, why don't you just, in case anybody's not understanding what we're referring to there, explain, first of all, game phases. What do you mean by that, Randy? Yeah. And then let's talk about just the bigger picture of the, the connection between those game phases. Yeah, another shout out is due here. The shout out would go to Dr. Fergus Conley, whose book, The um, Game Changer, I read it, loved it. Um, it's particularly the unit on, on you know, creating a game model and have used it to help lots of coaches. So shout out to him and uh, credit to him for helping me see the game this way and giving me a tool that helps me help coaches better. Basically, the game phases would be there's four of them in a bat in a sport like basketball, soccer, lacrosse, something like that. Like there's four of them. It would be transition offense and they go like in order in a cycle. You, you can jump in this cycle at any point. But let's just jump into transition offense, then offense, then transition defense, then defense, then transition offense. And, it, and those four phases of the game sort of have an interconnection that I began to discover in my conversation with coaches that maybe coaches just didn't see some of the ripple effects of a decision made in one phase of the game that might have on another. I began to take it upon myself to sort of point these things out to coaches when we were having strategic conversations of like, hey, are you aware of, you know, if you make this change on defense, like we're going to go away from pressuring and more to a containment style, that that might slow down the overall tempo of the game. Your opponents now have the option of possessing the ball longer. And, and you, what may seem like a small decision, we're going to move away from pressure and more to a containment, that in their mind, in their coach's mind, they might see that in the defensive silo that exists by itself. But in, in actuality, some ramifications will drip over and bleed over into other phases of the game and have impacts. So what I've tried to do with coaches for the past few years is sort of like, let's start with these four main phases. What do you want to see in those phases? Then let me help you sort of make them more of an outfit and less of sort of like a disjointed union of four different ideals. So, and get them sort of like where they all work together to maximize and optimize the, the total effect you're wanting to have in your team's play. 
in my conversations with younger coaches, I actually had this exact same discussion with a group that's in my online master's program that I work with. And what I have found is they grow up in a certain style and their coaches may not necessarily or they don't understand the reasons for their coaches' decisions about mm-hmm. the different phases of the game and the choices that they've made and what their team's going to run or play. And so what they bring to the table in their own coaching philosophy is what their coach did or what they liked about things. And there really is no connect between the two. And the unfortunate part is that sometimes the coupling of what they choose is actually a good thing mm-hmm. and it's right. But I mean, it works well together. And so they have success. Other times it's not, and they they don't understand why it's not working well because, like I said, yeah. their coach ran it or they liked it or they know a coach that they watch on television that has run this style, and it doesn't necessarily work well together. Yeah. So just being aware of that, I think sometimes, you know, this can go, I think we're, we're talking right now like the big phases of the game, but this can go even like within each phase. I, I'm reading a book right now uh, by Mike Jakaki, who's – He's, uh, he was on my podcast just a couple weeks ago, but talking about like lockdown defense. And you know, at the beginning of his book, he was just talking about even how you how you guard a pick and roll, how you how you guard in the post. Like sure. those different phases within one phase can be disjointed and cause your team some problems if you're yeah. not thinking about uh, about positioning and that sort of thing. So if you're losing sight of sort of the overriding philosophy of the whole, you you may make a mistake in the part that that's that's a little bit out of alignment with that. Yeah. You know, I, I hear, and I see, I read in the comments this last week, like I want my team to play fast and then they're going to come down and sit in gaps where they're going to play like pack line defense. And, and I think and, some, it's just a, they just don't understand yet what it's doing. I'm going to press. Okay. We're going to sit back in a, in a two, two, one full court press. Yeah. And like there are teams who sort of have sort of some mismatched phases in their game model and 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 have success and do it and do it knowingly like I'm aware that this is a little bit and that's that's okay but if what a coach is telling me is they want to create an overall effect in their style of play I try to help them get these and point out the overall ripple effects that might exist in one and carry over to another all right last one here final one I like this we've touched on it actually a couple of times as we've gone through this but focus and distractions focus and distractions i think probably this maybe even completes like a full loop back to the first one at the beginning here mm-hmm. so focus mm-hmm. and distractions what are you referring to here man i just when i first started talking with coaches 6 years ago and just sort of like what my mission when i started this was when it began sort of changed and evolved and is still doing that one of the things that it pivoted to quickly first, I just thought I was going to be sharing stuff about, you know, motion offense, pressure, man to man defense. Here's some drills. Here's some how it works and this and that. But then, you know, like I would get questions of like, wow, man, like that, that seems like a lot. Like how did your team, you know, do that? And just that. And I was like, it's just a matter of that's basically all we did. And and we put the complete focus on that and, and, what I've seen in the last few years um, from coaches just really struggling with the ability to focus and blocking out distractions. I think there's more and more information put out there every day about basketball and coaching, and and much of it comes with a bit of marketing genius behind it to lure your eyeballs or get your clicks and things like that. 
and that that as a as a whole again not everyone but as a whole and i hear this over and over again the coaching population is really distracted and really struggles with distractions and i have made it my mission at least with a group of coaches who have bought into to radius athletics and support what i do of like really helping them deal with that reality that you are going to be constantly bombarded with new information, some of it conflicting with with what you've chosen for your team or your program. How are you going to deal with that and, and giving you the tools to sort of like understand that there is all this information? How can I keep my blinders on without without falling over to the other side of that line of like stubbornness and willful ignorance, right? So that's just been really something that I found lots of coaches struggle with that I try to help with. I always say that like in this day and age, information is free and cheap. It's it's everywhere. In the old days when I was a kid, you know, information was in a library or in an encyclopedia and you had to kind of make an effort to buy those things or gain access to them to get it. But now information is everywhere. And if something is plentiful like that, its availability is not a separator, right? Like it used to be like there used people who had access to information had an advantage in the world. Now you don't. That access is pretty much universal. So like just because you can consume all this stuff, that does not mean you're you're separating yourself from the competition. So um I, I would say that in the coming years that the ability to focus is going to be a superpower and a coach who can do that um, is going to separate himself from the coaches who are just gluttonous in their consumption of information and become easily distracted and have, have lose their stick to very quickly because there's always a new plan, a new idea, a new something popping up. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a, a big lesson that I've learned from counseling coaches is like we are a distracted population that that really needs help with this. I saw somebody say put it this way, it's going to be the coach or in this case it was just the person who's able to curate the content that's going to have success versus mm-hmm. the one who as you said it's not the availability of information now. Everybody has the availability of information. Again, what do I need to focus on? to address a real problem that's on my team and not get mm-hmm. distracted by. With a, with a group of coaches that I work with, I call it a filter. Like, like what you're, you, you're, you know, what you're referring to here is like your, your ability to curate. I call it a filter. Like, okay, yes, there's a lot of information, but what is it that you want to do with your team? And given that choice of what it is I want to do with my team, I want to be a zone defensive team. Okay. Well, boom, automatically right there, you've got a filter. Like you've got a good filter, like for your consumption, what comes into your eyeballs and your ears, you know, like if, if that's something that you've decided you want your program to be great at, it's a small example, like be great at zone defense, you've automatically created at least one filter that will help you with the vast amount of information that's out there. Like, okay, I, I want to spend some hours learning more basketball. Well, what genre of basketball, what type, what, what filter it's a very broad topic so that that that's sort of like the strategy that i give is like let's start with how we want to play in this gymnasium in this program 
and let that be our filter. And that gives us the freedom of blocking out a lot of this stuff. You don't have to consume at all. Making a couple of plugs here at the end. Let me finish with this one, Randy, because you've talked about your coaches program. I know a lot of coaches that are on here are listening. You know, they're already connected to you somehow, but can you give them, whether it's the stuff that you do with Radius Athletics and the one-on-ones and the things that you offer to coaches or the newsletter that you have or whatever else, can you kind of direct them to those things? I mean, it's it's pretty much all right there on my Twitter profile and the link tree with all the links. But yeah, if you if you if any coach out there wants to connect with me, just reach out with an email or a, a direct message through Twitter or something like that, and I'll point them in the right direction. But basically, I have a program that at the top level entails some one-on-one and small group interaction with with me to kind of. If you want to learn X's and O's, I'll help you with that. If you want help or, or, and, and want a, a uh, I always kind of call myself like a virtual assistant coach, like someone who can kind of work alongside you and counsel you, help you see blind spots, help you, you know, I'm available to do that. Yeah, just reach out. I, I can help anyone do that. Appreciate all of those who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the live show, you can go back, watch, or listen to any part. Visit Radius Athletics on YouTube. You'll find the full episodes there in video format. Or you can search on a quick timeout podcast. You'll find the audio version of the show. Thank you all for tuning in this week. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Form.